Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. Welcome to another episode of the 12th Step Podcast. My name is Gary. This is Mike. And this is Daniel. And tonight, we have had a special request for this topic. Which I think is a fantastic topic. A fantastic topic. topic. Right. And it was just one word, no explanation, just commitment. Which allows my mind to, to wander in various paths. It's a great word, commitment. Commitment. All right, so let's talk a little bit about commitment and recovery, commitment to yourself, commitment to... I don't know. Let's those around you, family, family. Right. What does that yeah. look like? And do you know what? I'd also like to talk a little bit about how do you stay committed? Yes. All right. And and I think how do you stay committed when things are good? How do you stay committed when things are bad? And how do you stay committed when things are just okay? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One of the things that I've discovered in my own path of recovery is is that each sort of movement along the way of recovery, we find this new normal. Yes. Yes. And what happens in that new normal is, is we start feeling like we're not moving forward in any way, shape, or form, or it appears as though. And so and so then there's this discussion that ensues with my wife and I about, well, are you really in recovery? Are you really moving forward? Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So how do you demonstrate that recovery is a First of all, it's fluid, it's dynamic, it's constantly moving. Mm-hmm. How do you demonstrate not only to yourself but to others that this is real, that this is important, that this is uh, this is the new me, mm-hmm. and the new me is going to constantly be working on something? And I think mm-hmm. that's really the key. Is is at least in my own experience, if I'm not working on something, I'm stagnating to some extent. Yeah, and I think you also need to keep in mind that your recovery is going to look different the longer you go into it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If if you're going to therapy and it works, you're not going to need it forever. Right. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's going to look different as it progresses. I agree. So what do you do? You know, what do you do to stay committed to your recovery as the, it changes and looks different? Um, one of the things I, I had been thinking about as we talked about this particular topic is, is again, the step work. There's so much to be done in the step work associated uh-huh. with recovery. Um, and much of the literature out there suggests that, you know, some of these steps can consume a substantial amount of time. Sure. And what's really interesting about it is, is that after I've worked all 12 of those steps, to go back then and start at the beginning because I'm now in a new place. Step three, step two and three become even that much more meaningful to me because I'm in a different place. Mm -hmm. Step four becomes all that much more enriching because I'm now seeing things from a a different Mm -hmm. perspective. Step five, six, and seven are now interesting because of the the perspective that I've received from now new, new step four and new step two and three. So you see what I'm saying? Well, there's, steps, there's a there's a lifetime of work here. Sure, and steps ten, eleven, and twelve are ones that you yes. just it's a lifestyle it's a now. Lifestyle and, now. You know what does that look like? Right. Yeah, that whole idea of uh, you know that constant constant evaluation and when I was wrong, promptly admit it kind uh-huh. of thing is is the new me. It's the new normal. It's the way that I simply say I don't want to go down that path. That path is never good for me. And do you know what? I think the longer you that you're in recovery, 
if you, when you're really working in it, it's starting to pay off. Life does start to get good, yes, and life does. does start to get easier in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. And you know, the ninth step promise straight up kicks in, and yes. you can handle things better, and, like you never were able to. Right. And suddenly, Christ, you know, all these crises in your life aren't. Yes. All right. So, as all of those things, how, how do you stay committed? How do you keep that in the forefront of your mind? Right. You, you know. Right. Um, I think uh, for me, for me, some of the things that I've recognized that I need in my life, I need a healthy pattern in the morning. Sure. I uh, I have had to replace that negative pattern that I had for so many years that, you know, I was sort of stuck in this uh, in this methodology of not sleeping well, waking up. You know, turning to turning to my addictive thoughts, etc., so that by six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning, I'm feeling amorous, putting my wife in a situation. There's no way we mm-hmm. can be successful, uh, and then getting angry about that, and then heading to the office and working out. That was a that was a pattern for me, mm-hmm. a developed pattern. And so now, by replacing that with finding the, the places along the way that I can actually interject healthy new patterns, right. Um, that's helped me tremendously. And I think that's the key for all of us. So for me, there has to be some level of structure in the morning. But that structure may be different today than it is five years from now. And it's certainly different than it was five years ago. Sure. So there's some dynamic nature to all of this in my mind. I also, there is. But I also think, I also think that you need to keep in mind that as, as these new norms come into play, when they become habitual, they start becoming part of your character. Yes, who you the, are. Right. I think I think you need to stay deliberate in your mind. You know, um, I still do the self-care things that I do. You know, I right. don't I don't it's it's not a struggle for me to do them so much anymore. It's just what I do. Right. But I need to remember I need to remember that, yes, I've developed a level of discipline with that, but I have to remember why I'm doing that. Yes. You know, and be and still be deliberate about it. Absolutely. You know, absolute truth. One of the uh, the things that I uh, I hear most often from people who are working their recovery to some extent is is that a spouse or a significant other in their universe says to them, "You're not working your commitment. You're not working your recovery, or you're not making changes, or there's no change that's happened in your life." And their immediate response to that is, "Is don't you see all the good stuff that I'm doing?" Um, and I think the response, what I hear more often is, is that they tell them over and over again, look at all the great things I'm doing. And I think those in our universe don't want to hear anymore because our words really mean nothing. Mm-hmm. After all the lies and the, and the, uh, um, um, the gaslighting I have done to my wife, et cetera, she doesn't want to hear from me about my commitment. She doesn't want to hear it at all. What she wants is to see me get up and go to my meetings uh-huh. on a Saturday morning or on a Tuesday night. What she wants is to see me go to counseling on my own volition, not to have to be... So So if we're having to use words to defend ourselves regarding this, this commitment level, then perhaps we're not as committed as we need to be. Well, and in some cases as well, I mean, because of all the, the pain and anger and hurt they, they have, they're not willing to see it yet, you know, uh, because, yeah, we, you know, we, we've got a little bit of progress behind us now it's not enough and you know it's not enough for them to see you know especially in my case um you know i jumped in because 
I wanted to save my marriage. I wanted to be have my family there. When that fell apart, you know, I knew I, I know, I'm pretty sure she was certain that I was going to just be done with it. Like, well, I'm, you know, I got a free pass. I'm out. But you know, things happened, and I had to make the commitment for myself to move forward and and start doing that for me, which is the real purpose for this. Is we're supposed to be doing it for ourselves, and everything else will click in. But I didn't see that until I lost everything. Right. And I think that's that's actually one of my first points is, is who am I really doing this for? Yeah. And that really has to that has to answer this question of commitment because if I'm doing this for somebody else, there's no longevity. To oh that. yeah. It's not going to last. And that's always been my problem in the past is it was always for her, for the marriage, for the kids. Sure. It was never for me. And once it finally was for me, things started finally clicking in place the right way. Right. I think your story is interesting um, when we talk about this particular thing. At what point in time do you feel like in your experience that, that you were suddenly committed? Where do you find in your in your path, right? I mean, you were all that had happened. You're now at the hospital. I've done some horrible things in my life. Well, what evidence do you have of that? Mm-hmm. All of those things, that where you're at at that particular point in time, when did you say to yourself, I know what your brother said to you. Mm-hmm. I know all of those conversations. At what point in time do you said it, it was all out? It wasn't like there was any secrets anymore. There was nothing left to sh- to hide. Nothing. The whole your universe had been busted. Yeah. At what point in time did you say, "I'm not living this way anymore. I'm committed to getting this fixed." Do you know when the exact moment was? No. When, uh, you know, the therapist said, "What evidence do you have that you haven't shared with me?" And then, you know, I told him everything. Uh-huh. I told him everything. You know, and, and there was a little bit of a, wait, wait till you hear this kind of a thing. Right. You know, <laughs> and and it was his closing comment because he was in a hurry. We had to wrap it up. Okay. And he closed his comment and he says, he said, okay, now we can get to work. And I, and... I remember um, the thought. The thought that came to me was, you know, he said, "Now we can get to work," and I thought, "Oh my gosh, maybe I can do something about this." And that was kind of a because I had given up. Right. So, so the idea that, I mean, I I don't know that he. Well, maybe he did. I don't know. Uh, the impact that that comment had, now we can get to work, said to me, something can be done. Right. And we're going to do it. And, and man, that hit me with just a tremendous amount of force. And, you know, and I just went on with my day and I started thinking about that. And I thought, if if there's work to be done, if there's something that can be done, if that's real, then... I'll do it. Right. Whatever it is, you know, because I, at, at that point, I, I knew that I could not go, go on living the way that I, I was. Yes. And so when somebody gave me the opportunity in that moment and said, okay, now we can get some work done that, that told me, oh, okay. okay tell me what yeah, it is. Well, what, what is it? it? What yeah. is it? Yeah. <laughs> I've been, li- <coughs> I mean, I've been, there's a secret. I've been living like this for this long and there's, there's a secret to get out of this. Yeah. And, and, and then, and it was kind of strange because in that moment, in that moment, uh, I was given hope again. 
and, and that was invigorating and terrifying and, and but the idea the idea that something could be done was so foreign it was like I I remember that feeling I can't I it, it never occurred that reaction was so and it was just so matter of fact okay now we can get to work interesting yeah I, I was thinking of my own moment um, and I think I had several moments along the way I, th I, I honestly believe that I contacted uh, our mutual counselor I knew of his past. I, it's, a, it's a relationship that had been around for quite some time uh, through, a, through a sibling of mine. And I knew of him and knew a bit about him and what he had done. And so I was kind of cavalier about this when I met him the first time and, and started sharing some of what I was experiencing and, and really kind of thought that uh, um, maybe he could just give me a pill or something and I could put this all behind me or uh, he could pat me on the back and say, at least you're not in some of the institutions I've worked in or wh whatever it was. I don't know what it was I was thinking, but I met with him in the first time and, and uh, had worked with him for a couple of sessions and then on the third session. But but all the way along, he was saying, you know, Mike, at some point in time, you're going to have to give up these behaviors. It's a, you, you know, you can't walk two separate paths that are going in different directions and expect anything more than a split pair of pants. And uh, and he was, he was right spot on. And yet I had in my mind that I could go, I could go this way, and I could meet with him and, and really kind of demonstrate to everybody, really, I'm, even though there was nobody in my life that even knew, but really in my own mind thinking I could do both. I could really do both, and he'll, he'll share enough with me that at some point in time it'll be healthy and I'll figure it all out. Until the one day I ask him point blank. <clears throat> this is about my third or fourth session, and I ask him, you know, how bad is it? How bad is it? And his comment, he said, you're not going to like this, Mike. And I, uh, <clears throat> I guess I had in my mind that I wasn't doing anything wrong or that I wasn't, you know, the only way it was really affecting me was in my, was in my work life. It wasn't really affecting me at home. I didn't realize the impact it was having at my house. And he made that comment. He said to me, he said, you're a, I've been doing this for a long time, 30 plus years that I, that I knew him. And he said, you're, you're probably uh, in the top five, if not in the top three of uh, cases that I've worked that are, that are really significant. And I, uh, I left there so angry. I, uh, I was driving back to work, <clears throat> and it was just a difficult time. It was a difficult conversation to hear, and I, uh, I think I made a commitment at that point in time that I can't, I can't live like this. I can't, I can't go on. Now I think I still walk the path of trying to work both paths at the same time. In fact, you know, there were mm -hmm. lots of circumstances even thereafter that I really wasn't demonstrating this commitment. But uh, that relapse where you and I had had that conversation on the phone of I was trying to get rid of you and you were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> that was another one of those moments where I think that was one of those spots where I said, I can't, I can't do this. I'm done. I have to be done. This has to be the time when I'm done. And, I, uh, uh, and it was evident because they were starting to show a few things in my life at that point in time that were showing that, look, there really is a better way. You can live, you can live a better life. 
And so those two moments combined, I think, were were what I would consider to be monumental <clears throat> in terms of me making that commitment. And from that time forward, uh, I don't have conversations with my wife anymore about how committed am I. Uh, my commitment is I go do these things because they make me, they, they keep me in a good place. I podcast because it keeps me in a good place. I share with others because, so again, it's this, it's this, the thing that you pointed out. I don't do this sort of stuff for somebody else. I yeah. do this stuff for me. Mm-hmm. I amend, I amend fights or discussions mm. I have with anybody in my life now by simply saying, I'm out. I don't, I don't, you know, I can get somebody, will, somebody will jump in my grill and I'm like, I'm out. Sorry. I'm sorry. How can I fix it? What can I do? I'm sorry because that's a, uh, uh, that's that doesn't put me in a good place. Well, yeah, um, you kind of let go of the measuring of the scales. You have to. Yeah. Um, you have to let that go. Um, you know, as you're talking about yours, you know, um, same therapist. I, I don't know what it is, but he has this gift of pushing and pushing and pushing till the point where you get angry and you're upset. I think it's a, it's a, um, it's not a skill. It's a damn annoyance. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I remember my point. I mean, you were even in the room. You know, it was a, a group. I'm sitting in the chair, and I thought I was okay, and he calls me out of my crap. You know, it's artwork and, you know, and everything, and, you know, he just called me out. And I just remember sitting there feeling more and more angry, but I can't express it because growing up, if I got angry and said anything, I just got smacked up the side of my head, and, you know, and I'm just, I'm uncomfortable. I don't know what to do. I feel trapped everyone's just like, he's ready to check out. Uh, and, and they were right. I mean, I, I had it in my mind, I'm done. I'm not coming back. Um, and everyone was dismissed. I packed my stuff up. And I'm sure he knew. And I remember I, completely thinking, I'm never coming back here again. I'm done. I get out to my car. I'm about to put my key in. And I hear, you know, I hear him call my name. And I turn around. And there he is. And he just gives me a hug. And I broke. I mean, I just broke and sobbed. Because um, despite be me be being angry and upset, he still cared enough to come out and still cared enough to show that I mattered. And that broke me. And then I, I totally was at that point all in. I mean, that that was the big shift of everything for me. And... You know, I've still still had my struggles with them. No, I think we all have. Uh, if we can all say, "Hey, man, it was it was uh, rainbows and and sunshine after that," we're we're not talking about the same person. But um, it definitely is where I committed all in. That's where it changed for me. You know, there was a there was a point early in my recovery when I looked at him and I said. You know, you're the perfect blend of gentle healer and sadistic bastard. Do you know that? <laughs> I think he. I think he wears that with pride. I think he does. He probably I, secretly made a T-shirt somewhere and I has he, that. I, I think he owns that. I think he really. Likes yeah. That. And if he doesn't have that T-shirt, we should probably have it. We make. should make it for him. Yeah. Somebody write that down. Yeah, I think that's. A... <laughs> or at least a mug. <laughs> right. Interesting stuff. Well, we've. Uh... We've all found a, po- a moment. Yeah. There was a distinct moment. And I think that is for all of our listeners as well. There'll be a point in time in everyone's recovery where, or in their addiction, where they say, I can't, I can't go on like this anymore. Yeah. And that is the game changer, and that's when commitment kicks in, is at that point. Yeah. And you get to choose when that moment is. 
Or you can anyway. Yeah. In fact, it's actually better if you do. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Please be a high bottom addict. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't take much to commit, but I think for a lot of us, we're, we're stuck in this mind trap, at least I was, that, you know, it was all about my family. As long as they were happy and content, they were okay. Um, and I was doing the right thing, but I wasn't. And I can't commit to myself if I'm not if I'm doing all this for them. Right. So it wasn't until I finally said, "Hey, I I'm worth it. I matter. I'm gonna do this for me, no one else, and I don't care." Um, which has showed definitely throughout this. I mean, I went through a nasty divorce. Uh, she threw everything at me, and and rightfully so, but still committed and, and doing well. And, you know, as the new things are thrown my way, which I've had a lot lately, uh, I'm still solid, still moving forward. And I, I don't see it as, oh, no, here's another crisis. Here's God thwarting me again. No, it's like, okay, here's another challenge. How am I going to get through this? Which is great, um, which just shows how much uh, my commitment to my recovery and how much progress I've made because I don't want to go back. In fact, I don't believe it's possible for someone else to commit for you. No, uh, I think it's in not. Any circumstance, even you know whatever you whatever you could possibly dream up, incarceration, mm-hmm. whatever the case may yeah. be, you can still live your life non-committed to to finding peace and recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, how many master pianists are out there that said, "Well, yeah, my mom, she made me play <laughs> piano. She drugged me there." <laughs> you know, that are out there. You know, because at one point they even said, "Hey, I really enjoy this. Yeah. I'm gonna do this. I love doing this." Because otherwise, if someone forces you to do it, you're not in. Yeah. 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 Uh, When people, you've been doing this for a long time. And and I think that most of us find pretty quickly as we see you and your efforts and what you do and that that you're committed. There's no question. In fact, just had a brief interaction with your wife just a minute ago that was pleasant. Uh, But again, she reiterated this idea that it was always obvious from that point in time that you said I'm I'm making a change that you were committed to your you're committed to your recovery and that's been now uh, nearing ten years. Correct? Nearing ten years, yeah. So that's pretty remarkable. How then do we demonstrate as addicts? How do we demonstrate to our people in our space, in our universe, significant others, people that are really important to us that this is important to us? You do it. <laughs> How? You do the next right thing. Okay. I mean, it's not a, it's not a show that you put on. No, it's not. Um, and and quite honestly, if you are committed, <clears throat> if you are committed, it'll show itself. Right. You it's know, it's not something you're necessarily wearing on your shirt sleeve all no. the time either. You, you just yeah. you do what you need to do. You do that next right thing, whether it's going to your therapy or going to your meeting or, or making a good choice or getting yourself out of a bad situation or reaching out, whatever it is, you do that and it will show it. it, it it's people will see it. Yeah. People will see it and you don't have to do anything. Uh, like I said, it's not a show. You don't have to do anything to draw their attention to it. Sure. You just do what you need to do and it'll show. And it'll show. Yeah. yeah I think you're right. Spot on. Again, I come back to the idea that uh, my wife made a comment to me years ago. As we were down these, I don't want to hear anymore. Your words mean nothing to me. You've lied to me so many times that that I don't want to hear you say 
look at all the great things I'm doing. <laughs> they want to see it. Mm -hmm. They want to see it. And they want to see the translation of the things that you're learning through your recovery process, how that's translating into the different person that you are around them. And that's important. And, and obviously the step work is going to, you know, it's impossible to do the actual work without it not changing mm. you. And I think, I think what it boils down to is congruency. You know, yes. when we're, oh, I you love know, that word. yeah, cause you know, when love we're doing that. the right stuff, we're very congruent. Yes. Um, when we're not, the, that incongruency is what they feel. Other people can sense, you know, you're saying one thing, but that feeling is like, well, yeah. no, that's not right. Yeah. But when you're doing the right stuff, what you're saying and doing is congruent and matches up. Go back sure. to your piano. Yeah. Go back to your piano thing, you know. Um, my son takes piano. Yeah. And, you know, he tells me all the time that he's practicing. Mm -hmm. But when I take him to his lesson, I know the weeks he does sure. and the week he does it. <laughs> yeah. And so does everybody else. Yeah. You, yeah, you, know? you hear it. You f you can see it. So, um, and I think that's what that's what really is is when you're doing the right thing, it's congruent with who you are, yeah. and people can feel and see that. And when you're not, it's totally off. I'm going to give an example in this space. Um, I was n I never shared my phone with anybody mm -hmm. because there would be so much communication going on in the phone that was oh, inappropriate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, if anyone were to touch my telephone, children, family, anybody, you know. What are you doing with my phone? That is not something that you play with. That is not. Mm -hmm. And and uh, uh, I think my wife sensed mm -hmm. the incongruence of that. What is it? Yeah. What is it he's trying to hide? What's so? And for me to tell her point blank, like I said, with the gaslighting, no, nothing's going on. Nothing's going on. And yet to see my actions with my cell phone, or to see me with a computer, or to do whatever it was, you know, the mm -hmm. secret calls, the the texts, or whatever the case may be. It still actually is a little bit a little bit triggering for her to me to for her to wake up in the middle of the night and to see me on my phone. Those are the kinds of things that really kind of affect her still, yeah. because of the incongruence that you're talking about, yeah. right? Why are you on the phone in the middle of the night? Because yeah. <laughs> I don't sleep. <laughs> what else do you do? So I uh, he's watching golf. <laughs> so those are real life experiences yeah. where you know there's there's this this feeling you have this sense that something is not right. Something's clearly going on, and yet you're telling me to my yeah. face that everything's just fine. So congruence is a, a really big indicator yeah. of commitment. Yeah, no I mean, for me, it. I you know, I my phone, I always had it. Yeah, it's in my pocket all the time. Me too. I, it was never out of my sight. Yeah. And now, like, where did I put that? I, yeah, I'm like, where did I put the phone? <laughs> like, I forget where yeah. I put it because it's just not on me it's anymore. On, yeah. I put it on the table, or I put it on the TV stand, or my nightstand, or whatever. It's just yeah, not yeah. on me all the time. I, I'll tell you what else is, is I'm pretty comfortable just leaving it wherever. Yeah, and yeah. anybody can pick it up sure. and scroll through the messages and yeah. see what's there and, and feel perfectly comfortable that that's well, okay. Well, I mean, even my youngest kids have my passcode because yeah. they watch me. Sure. And I don't care because there's nothing right, there's there nothing to worry to about. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to worry about. Dad, yeah. can I use your phone? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Go find it. Do you know where it is? Because if so, use it. Yeah. I think it's in the other room. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, you know, all it's those things are demonstration of commitments. Yeah. Um, your willingness to give up certain things, mm -hmm. the willingness to give up the internet. I have no access to the internet on my phone, mm -hmm. uh, and it's there's times when it comes out to be an inconvenience. But uh, I've found that I'm usually around enough people that have internet on their phone that we can get whatever it is we yeah, need it off. Sure. Of so just simple things like that. Uh, those are all levels of demonstration of, in my mind yeah. anyway, of commitment that this is a this is a new changed me. I want to live differently. 
I don't want to experience the same stress that I had. Yeah, and everyone's commitment can be different. Yes. You know, like I do have internet on my phone, but it hasn't been a problem. I know you don't have it. Yeah, um, but early on, I, I did have it blocked out. Um, and then I got to a point where like, all right, I'm going to try this and see what happens. And I've been comfortable with not having that as an issue. Um, but again, that was me committing to myself. I'm like, I'm not going to use something else as a crutch. I'm yeah. going to make this, I'm going to give that to me, but I'm not going to use this, yeah. uh, as something. So that was, you know, that was intentional, um, how sense. I was going to do it. I've discovered for myself that I have a, I have these days. It comes around, I don't know, somewhere between four and six weeks. But I always have this day that's just a genuine skid day. And I'm really kind of like, I don't care what, I, I don't care about anything. Yeah. You know? I'm angry at the world. I got up on the wrong side of the world this morning and it's just, not, it's not been a good day. And, and those are the day I find myself most vulnerable. And when I'm in that place, it doesn't matter what kind of, it doesn't matter any of those things. And so that's where first order changes are really important to yeah. me. Mm-hmm. So I have I have made a conscious choice to leave the internet off of my phone for those days and those days only. Oh, yeah. No, those days I just stay away from my I think, you know, six phone. weeks, every day for six weeks, I'm in my I'm in my right mind. But that one day a week, oh, yeah. or that one day when it comes around, I'm angry and I'm furious and I'm whatever. And that's where I find myself so incredibly vulnerable. So to have just something to come to, just give me enough time to put me back in my frame, proper frame of mind, that gets me through and I'm fine. Yeah. So that's why I keep it off. Mm. So, well, uh, I, what a fantastic topic. Yes. I appreciated the thoughts. Um, take us home, Gary. You started us. Take I us home. did. Well, guys, I just want you to know that I think you should both be committed. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> now I couldn't agree more. Which right. place? I could not agree more. All right. Well, wherever you're at in your recovery, this is Gary telling you to do the next right thing. Stay committed. Very good. This is Mike saying, do the work necessary to find the peace that recovery can bring. And this is Daniel saying, find the humility in your recovery. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions thoughts, or concerns, or have any suggestions for future episodes, please contact us at 12thsteppodcast at gmail.com. That is 1-2-T-H-STEP-PODCAST at gmail.com. As a fellowship of recovering addicts, Sex Addicts Anonymous offers a message of hope to anyone who suffers from sex addiction. Check out saa-recovery.org.